morning. Wow, what an amazing morning already. Thank you. You know, can we just thank these good-looking guys? I mean, every week they are on point and bring this uh, podium up so well. So I uh, approached my husband a couple weeks ago. I said, babe, can I speak? And he said, well, you speak all the time. I, I think he made that clear a couple weeks ago, right? Um, not that he can't hold a candle to my speaking, but anyway... Um, I want to share with you something so exciting. You know, this is our church family. You are um, home to me. And many of you know that I'm getting ready to walk the El Camino in Spain. And I'm so excited. A lot of you have asked me about it. And I thought, you know, I want to do two things. I want to inform you about what the El Camino is. And I want to ask you to pray for me because I really covet prayer. You know, I'm an avid prayer walker. Many of you see me around town. You honk and you say, I saw you up over here yesterday and over here the day before. And and I'm covering about uh, 12 miles a day right now and I'm in preparation for the El Camino. But I want to tell you the story because it's a spiritual story. It's a spiritual journey. And every one of us are on a journey. Life is a journey. The destination of journey is going from one point to another, from one day's destination to another. So every day you're on a journey. You get up and you go to work. You're on a journey. You get up and you go. That's a journey. But I want you to be very intentional about your journey. Your life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and is gone. We were reminded of that yesterday when we had a memorial service for one of our staff members, um, our children's pastor, Taylor. Her, her father passed away at, I believe, something like 54 years old and an amazing man of God, a, a prayer warrior. And you ask, why? Why, God? I don't have the answers, but I will tell you that your life is a vapor and my life is a vapor. And I've been very intentional over these last few years of my life to say, God, what do you want to do with me on planet Earth? What do you want to do with my days? What do you want to do with my years? I will give an account. I believe this is true before Almighty God, that beautiful throne room we just sang about and we all entered into. You will be in that throne room and you will give an account, the Bible tells us. So every day you get to decide what to do with your breath. You get to decide what to do with your choices and it's called a journey. Well, the journey of San Santiago de Compostelo, St. James, is a story of the Apostle James. And I'm going to give you a lot of biblical history, and I'm also going to give you a little legend that I think you might find interesting. So the story starts off with the Apostle James. If you remember in Matthew 4, Jesus is coming out of the wilderness where he's been tempted by the enemy. And now he's getting ready to go call his disciples. And he starts to call the disciples. He finds two fishermen, Peter and Andrew. He looks at them and he says, come follow me. And Pastor Phil made reference to that last week. There was something so irresistibly attractive about Jesus. The Bible says that they just dropped their nets and they went. He went a little further down the sea and he saw two more. And it was James and John. And they were with their father, the Bible says, Zebedee. So they're in the boat. Now, here's what I really want you to understand. And if the most important thing I think I say today, when you read the word of God, don't just read it for inspiration and application, but read it for insight, wisdom, and revelation. See, God wants you to see something in the Word of God. Many of us read the Word of God, and we're reading it historically, or we're reading it and going, oh, I've heard that story. You know, um, um, a little preface, I want to share something that happened. So last week, I was actually in an, an accident, an automobile accident, that, that really pretty much riveted me. I totaled my car, and airbag deployed, and um, it was pretty shocking to me, to be honest with you. And when I got home the next few days, I began asking God, 
what's going on? What are you trying to teach me? Because everything that happens in my life, I always start with the why. Do any of you guys do that? Why, God, is this going on? And when God gives you a word, take it and then ask him what he means. So I'm in this accident. I'm, I'm home a few days later, and I said, God, what are you trying to show me? And he said, I want to give you fresh manna. Now, that seems odd to me. So when things come like that, I know that aren't from me. Like, that wasn't something I came up with. I'm like, God, there's something here you want to teach me. And I said, fresh manna, what does that mean? He said, you are so well aware of the scripture that you're missing the true meaning. And I could get up and teach the word of God. Almost most of the stories in the Bible I've been teaching for many years. But I teach it rote. I teach it from memory. I teach it from what I think it says. And the one thing I've been doing on my prayer walks every single day, every day I get out and I ask God for insight, wisdom, and revelation. And I literally talk to God every day. And I'm talking to him more now that I'm going 12 miles. You know, it's like almost three hours now. Every day I'm walking and talking with him. And here's what he said to me. Baby girl, there's so much manna for you in this book. There's so many riches for you. I don't want you to come into any story in the word of God and think you know it. Are you with me? I want you to go into the word of God asking for your manna, for your wisdom, for your revelation, for what you need to know. So here's James. God calls James. So we're going to look at the life of James today. He's a fisherman. He's about his father's business. He's in the boat with his daddy, Zebediah, and his brother, John. And Jesus says, follow me. The both of them come. The Bible says, I will make you fishers of men. Now, what I want you to see at this point, he has called four disciples. The Bible goes on, then it tells us about the next eight that he calls. So we know there's 12 disciples. But if you read the word of God, you'll find out that Jesus had an inner circle of three. Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John. Out of all 12 disciples, those three he called into intimacy. And whenever I read that, I stop and ask myself, God, why? Did you like them better? Were they favored? Did you have a plan for them you didn't have for the others? And here's what I believe God says. They wanted to go deeper with me. They wanted to see more. They asked to see more. Now, I'm not trying to dispute whether the other eight didn't want to go deep with God. Someday I'll be in glory with them and they go, hey, you, you gave me the shaft down there. You know, you, you, you kind of threw me under the bus. So I'm not trying to do that, brothers. But I'm just telling you that these three specifically over and over and over, Jesus makes mention. For instance, when he literally is going up on the Mount of Transfiguration, he says, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. And he takes them up and they go up on a mountain. And the Bible tells us that Moses and Elijah came down and Jesus glowed. Just as he said, everything about him was like the sun. And they literally saw the transfiguration of Moses and Elijah, just those three. A little bit later, it tells us that Jairus' daughter died. All the disciples are outside and Jesus says, Peter, James, and John, you come in with me. And he takes him in where Jairus' daughter was dead. And he goes, watch this. And he performed a miracle and the little girl rose. A little bit later, the Bible tells us that they're in Gethsemane, and Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and all the disciples are there. If you read it, you'll read it actually in Matthew. The disciples are there, and he says, Peter, James, and John, you come with me. And he brings those three, and he brings them in a little further to Gethsemane, and he says, you three sit, watch, and pray for me. And then he goes in. Why these three? What was it about these three that they were marked? I don't know what it was, but I want it. There's a lot of things I don't know, but I do know that. And I literally go, I don't know what James wanted. I don't know what John wanted. I don't know what Peter wanted, but Holy Spirit, I want it. I want you to take me to the transfiguration. I want you to take me into Gethsemane. I want you to take me deeper. I have a desire to go deeper. And, and I think I'm just tired of playing church. 
If the pandemic did anything for me, it made me realize how quickly not only can we lose a nation, not only can we lose our hearts, or our homes, not only can our, our children, we have to be willing to fight. And it's not going to happen unless the church wakes up, rises up, and really wants to go deeper with God. I mean, if anybody's supposed to lead the way, I think it's the disciples. These were Jesus' disciples. Now, look, here's what he did. He pulled them in, and he showed them how to live. He showed them how to act. He showed them how to walk. He showed them how to have conversation. Are you so acquainted with Jesus that he's literally showing you how to live your life? Are you getting up every morning as a disciple and saying, show me what to do, what to say, where to go? That's an intimate relationship with Jesus. That's what James had, but this gets really good. I'm taking you to the El Camino, right? All right, so here, here's James. Now remember, he's just a simple fisherman. I tried to set this up for you that he wasn't just like the scholar. He wasn't smarter, better looking, affluent. He was a fisherman. He was mending nets when Jesus came to him. So he wasn't any different than you or I. But what happens? Jesus comes and he says, now I'm gonna go away. And he, he, this is his resurrected body. He now has died. They've gone to Gethsemane. He's been crucified. He comes back to the upper room. And I'm going to give you some theology, so stay with me. He comes to the upper room. He's with his disciples. He says, now, boys and ladies, because we know that Mary was there, and we know Mary's mother was there, and Aunt Jesus' mother. So we know women were in the room. I'm just giving you a holler. There were women there. Men just, you don't just have to be a man to be a disciple, all right? And they're all in this room. Now, Jesus is talking to them, and he's going, listen, I have been with you. I have walked with you. I have discipled you. I have talked to you. I have shown you the way, but I am going away. But I'm going to send the helper, and he will be in you. Holy Spirit is coming, and he's going to be in you. He's going to fill you. So he's going to teach you and guide you and correct you and instruct you. He will be your best friend. Holy Spirit will be with you. You stay in this room until Holy Spirit comes. Right? That's what he tells him in Acts 1. Now, I love this verse because this is where we start to pick up part of our story. And he says, I want you to go into all the earth and to the ends of the earth. And this is actually in Acts. I want you to see this verse. It's beautiful. He embraced them with the commission. He says, my spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Now, he's telling the disciples, they're in the upper room. You will be my witnesses. James hears this. James hears this. You will be my disciple in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Hold on to the ends of the earth. So they're all up there and they're waiting. Next chapter, the Bible says they're singing and they're praying and tongues of fire fell on them. The Holy Spirit filled them. They were filled with Holy Spirit and they began to speak other languages. Now, this is the, the, this theology, sometimes we just don't even understand it. Holy Spirit, this was during Pentecost, and the gospel's getting ready to go out to where? Jerusalem, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Every person that was there, every nation that was represented, tongues fell on these disciples and these apostles, and they were given a known language. Now, this is not a, a heavenly language. This is not speaking in tongues. This is not some angelic language. This particular time in the Bible, the first time Holy Spirit falls, is a definite language. And it says they were filled with a language. So all of a sudden, James knows a language he did not know before Holy Spirit fell upon him. Why? to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Now, here is my premise. I wonder if Holy Spirit filled James with a Latin tongue. I wonder if James went to Spain because he had the gift of speaking 
It was Latin before it was Spanish. I've been, the last four days, I have been like on a Google search. I am trying to find out why James went to Spain and why he went there. So here's the premise. Um, the El Camino is the Compostelo de Santiago. So a lot of people believe that James actually went to Spain and brought the gospel to Spain and really is where the gospel was brought. The cool part of this and why I love this story, and this can all be documented, some legend, some tradition, some history, that he was so filled with the Holy Spirit that he set sail to Spain. Now that was known as the Iberian Peninsula, that area. It was the furthest of that Rome knew the earth existed, and it was called Finisterre. Finisterre, the ends of the earth. That whole region, and I'm gonna be walking there, that's what it's still called today, Finisterre. So it's the tip of Spain, and it's literally where James went and brought the gospel to Finisterre. He brought the gospel to the ends of the earth because God gave him an assignment. And my question to you is, where is your Finisterre? Where is your Finisterre? Is it your family? Is it your community? Is it your job? Where's the ends of the earth that you take the gospel? This James, I'm trying to set up the picture for you. He was a simple fisherman that fell in love with Jesus, that Jesus imparted wisdom and insight and revelation and Holy Spirit, that his life was so radically changed that he gave up everything he had, his career, his father, the Bible says he got out of the boat of his father. He left his father, he left his family, he left everything he knew to follow Jesus. And then he takes a boat that sets sail to a whole nother country, Spain. And he begins to evangelize Spain. Well, what tradition says, what we know is that Jesus was crucified somewhere between 36 and 39 AD. They estimate that, that um, James went to Spain probably about 40 or 41 AD. He came back to Jerusalem in 44 AD. That is Bible. And the Bible tells us then in Acts that Herod Agrippa hated the name of Jesus so much that he literally killed James. He beheaded him. He's the first apostle disciple that we know that was killed and beheaded because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when he came back to, to Jerusalem, he was killed by King Agrippa. The interesting part in what tradition and legend says is the disciples of, of James in Spain made their way over to Jerusalem to retrieve his body and brought his body back to Spain, where he is presumed to be buried today. And that is the journey of St. James on the Compostello. So I think that's a pretty cool story, right? I mean, and, it's, and for me, let me just give you a backstory. So about, I don't know how many years ago, I watched the movie The Way. How many of you watched the movie The Way with Charlie Sheen? If you haven't, watched it. It's so good. And I love spiritual pilgrimages. I love walking. I, I love history. I love going deeper with God. And I told my husband, someday I'm going to walk Spain. You know, someday I'm going to do the Compostello. And I put it on my bucket list. Now, let me see. How many of you have a bucket list? How many still have the same bucket list? <laughs> if you're not marking things off your bucket list, you can't call it a bucket list. Um, and I have all these things I want to do. And one was to walk the Compostello in Santiago. And so right before the pandemic, I had my tickets. I was going. It was done. I had everything ready to go. And the pandemic hit, and I wasn't able to go. But I knew I would walk it one day. It was a spiritual journey. And this is what it is. Over 300,000 people walk this journey every year. 
Every nation, every tribe, every tongue will be walking this journey with me. To be certified, to say you walked it, you have to walk 100 kilometers or more. And so um, I'm going to be walking that 100 kilometers and then more because I want to go to Finisterre. I literally want to go. And I think we have a map, at least if you want to put that up. You'll actually see the journey of where I'm going to be traveling so I'll be starting here in Sierra, and I'll work my way um, over to Santiago de Compostela. And then if you keep going toward the very end, you'll see Finisterre. And that's where supposedly the Apostle James went to bring the gospel to James, or to, um, to Spain. But what I want to ask you guys today is I want to ask you about your journey. Because there's three things about a journey, and I want to make this practical. I don't want you just to walk away and go, wow, that was a cool history lesson. I want to ask you about your journey. I want to ask you about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ. There's three parts of a journey that I think are very important. First of all, there's a beginning, which is a starting point. Then it takes us through a process, and then it leads us to a destination. So for me, I started by saying, someday I will walk the Compostello. Someday I will walk the 100 miles that I want to walk because I have a desire to go on a spiritual pilgrimage. Just so you know, part of this pilgrimage is it's very sacred. A lot of people, a lot of religious people go on this. People, a lot of people go looking for God. A lot of people go if they've lost a loved one and they want to find peace. So I'm going to be meeting people all along the way on different journeys. But it's literally meant to be a very sacred and quiet journey to, to get in touch with your soul, to find God and go deeper with God. So when I heard more about it, I kept going, I want to do that one day. So that was my starting point. And then the process has been difficult, to be honest with you. I'm really good at walking two or three miles. I've been doing that for years. But then I got to five miles. I'm like, babe, I'll be back. I'll be back in about an hour and a half. I'm going to go five miles. But then it went to eight miles because I'm eventually going to need to get up to 20 miles a day. And it was eight miles. And he said, when are you going to be back? I said, I don't know. I'll be back when I get back. And I got to eight, and I was like so excited. I got to eight miles today. And then it was 10 miles. And then it was 12 miles. And the longer I went, the longer I went. And the longer I went, the deeper I went. And I would walk around Anaheim, and I would pray for Anaheim, and I would pray for revival. And I would pray as I'd see some of your homes. I know where some of you live, and I would extend my hand to your home or to churches. Every time I pass a church, I pray over a church. I don't care who that church is. I say, if Jesus Christ is lifted up in this church, I pray blessings over that church. And my job is to walk our community. My job is to pray. Someday when Holy Spirit falls, I'm going to hope that part of it was my breakthrough, my prayer, my being faithful and believing God's going to bring revival to our community. And so I've been on this journey, and the process, it wasn't just walking, then it was having to learn. I'm listening to podcasts, and I'm reading books, and I'm trying to learn Spanish, and I'm, how do you pack? And you can only take so many pounds with you, and what kind of backpack do I need? Oh my gosh, it's going to rain in October. I don't have any rain gear. It's a process. Do you know life is a process? Every day of your life is a process. This week, the testimonies from some of you this week have been pain and joy, victory, breakthrough, defeat. Every one of you are in a different place on your journey. Some of you come running into this church and you can't wait to tell me what happened. You're so excited. You can't believe it. Oh, Tammy. And I'm so excited with you. And then I turn around and someone says, Pastor Tammy, can you pray for me? I just lost such and such. And someone else says, Pam, can you pray for this? And somebody else says, you're going to believe what's happened. I just got engaged. I'm so excited. Everyone is at a different place in life because it's a journey. And you have to find out where your journey is right now. Where are you in the process? But then it ends with a destination. So I'm going to really quickly walk you through these. And I think they're really helpful if you look at your life. Life is a journey, the starting point. Ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? What do you want out of life right now? Some of you are so hungry for money. 
You're so hungry for worth. You're so hungry for prestige. You're on a journey to get a breakthrough. Are you missing life all around you while you're trying to search for something that God doesn't want for you? The Bible is very clear in Matthew 7 where it says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open. Before you start your journey, number one, ask God what he wants for you, not what you want for you. I tell you what, there's so many things in my life I've asked God for. Even Garth Brooks got it right. I thank God for unanswered prayers. I mean, what if he gave you everything you've prayed for? You would be a mess, right? God knows what you need. So start on your journey. Your first, your first thing is to ask God, what does he want for you? But the process, what's the process? Daily discipline. Hey, guys, I'm going to be honest with you. Most of us aren't disciplined. This has been a hard journey, so many of you, oh, Pastor Tammy, I see you walking. You're so healthy. You're so strong. It's work. I'm in the gym. I go to hot works. You know, I'm in there sweating. I'm working out. I'm, I'm walking. I'm praying. I mean, this is not like, it's, it's fun. I have to be honest. I like it. My husband would hate it. He said, that's hell for me. <laughs> Literally hell. And is he going with me? No. Um, my son, Josh, is walking with me. We both love to walk and hike and, and all that kind of stuff. Pastor Phil's going to join me in Madrid when we're done to celebrate. <laughs> That's my man. <laughs> um, this is, but you know what? I laugh because sometimes um, I've stopped asking him to go for walks with me because he doesn't want to, and now I don't want him to. Because um, he walks slow, and I don't get any praying done. I mean, he's just like... So it's, it's my time. Um, but see, it's what I want. Because I want to go deeper. I mean, everything in me. And I want you to know my heart. I want you to pray for me. I'm going to ask. I'm going to share with you a few things in a moment. But if I can't lead you as one of your leaders, your pastors, to teach you that there is a price. And the price of the process is discipline. It's discipline to say no to things your flesh wants. It's discipline to get out and walk when you'd rather sit and eat and watch Netflix. All right, it's disciplined to say, God, you want this for me even though I want this for me. I'm telling you, you will never get what you think you want if you go after what you want and God doesn't want for you. I'm telling you right now, I'm old enough to know that's true. All right, so the part of the process, it's discipline. I love a couple of verses I want to share with you. In Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, to James, if you want to come after me, James, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me. Nobody's looking to pick up crosses. We like to wear crosses. We don't want to pick up crosses. What does God want for you on the journey? Would you stop and talk to someone if you needed to talk to someone? Are you so busy on your journey you don't even see who God's bringing your way? Pick up your cross and follow him. I love this, second, uh, this passage in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. More than anything in my life, I want to say that I fought well and I finished the race. I want to be an integrous woman that walks with God and people can look at me and say as their leader, as their pastor's wife, as, as somebody that's a Christian and calls himself a believer in Jesus Christ, was integrous and a woman of God. And that doesn't just happen because I want it. It happens because I have to stay in the word of God. I have to fast. I have to pray. I have to say no to my flesh. Believe me, I have some fleshly thoughts. Some of the same ones you have. And when they come my way, I have to say no. When the temptation comes, I have to say no. When the anger comes, I have to say no. When the threats come from the enemy, I have to say no. 
that's discipline and that's part of the process because the only way to get to the final stage, which is the destination, is to walk that life. The, the last one is the destination and I think it's so good. The reward is the joy, it's the journey. God will lead you on the way. In 2 Timothy 4, 7, we read that one, fight the good fight. Uh, 2 Chronicles 15, 7, but you be strong and do not let your hands be weak for your work shall be rewarded. So you will take a journey, every one of us will. I wanna ask you right now, you're gonna journey to work tomorrow, you're gonna journey to school tomorrow, you're gonna journey out with the girlfriends for dinner, the guys for football. You're gonna go, oh yeah, you're gonna go on a journey. Is Jesus on the journey with you? So when I leave, um, in nine days, I leave next Tuesday, I'm going to ask you to pray for me. Every single morning, and um, I think Pastor Beth, or not Bethany, I think Bethany's back there. Courtney, are you back there? Um, I don't know how many of you met Courtney. Courtney, raise your hand, the tall blonde. Courtney, uh, we love her. She's actually uh, our executive director for Women of Influence. She had this great idea to come up with boarding passes so we are going to invite you to go to Spain with me. Everyone's going to get a boarding pass to go with me to Spain. Um, we actually have really good seats because I used every mile I had. And I told baby, I'm, you know what? Since I'm walking, I'm going in class. So if you want to come with me, we're going to go to Spain. And on this boarding pass um, are all my social media feeds. So every morning, I'm actually going to do a live Instagram. And I'm going to pray with you every single morning. And we're going to pray together. I'm going to pray for your journey in your day. And I'm going to ask you to pray for me in my journey. And we'll pray together. And then that evening, every evening in my albergues, which is my, my hostel that evening, um, I'll do another live stream every evening. And I'll tell you about the day. I'll tell you who I met. I'll tell you what I had to eat. I'll tell you how many blisters I have on my feet. I'll probably tell you more than you want to hear. But the idea is for us to be in community together. The idea is for us to journey together to walk together, to pray together, to work together. So I'm real excited about that. Um, I want to show you a couple things here. You know, it's called The Way of St. James. And I know I'll meet people on The Way. The movie's called The Way. But the reason it's called The Way is because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man, no woman, no boy, no girl can come unto me but through Jesus. And I'm going to be walking the way, supposedly of St. James, but I'm going to be walking with the way, Jesus. And I'm going to ask you every day to walk the way with Jesus. Every, every person here, this isn't about spouses. This isn't a community decision. It's an individual, independent decision. Will you journey with Jesus every day? Will you walk with Jesus? Will you listen to Jesus when you've been on social media a little too long and Holy Spirit says it's time for prayer, will you listen? When you're in the middle of gossiping about someone and Holy Spirit says that's not healthy, will you listen? When you're looking at something you shouldn't be looking at and Holy Spirit says close the book, turn off the computer, will you listen? When you're staying at work longer than you should and it's not healthy and he says time to go home to your family, will you listen? Will you listen to Holy Spirit? Because Holy Spirit came. You know, I told the story how when Holy Spirit came that first time, he came and he gave them languages, literal languages. But if you read a little further in Acts, you find out Holy Spirit came, came again and he fell on the church. And they spoke in a beautiful heavenly language. 
It's a beautiful language that you just speak with Holy Spirit. It's an unknown tongue. It's a beautiful language. And I believe when the church begins to really sing the language of Holy Spirit and we begin to lift Him high, we'll begin to sing unto His praises. I'm going to ask you to read the Word of God with new eyes. Read the Word of God like you've never read it before, not the way you've heard the story, not the way you think it turns out, but let Holy Spirit make it living and active and sharper than two, any two-edged sword. Uh, I want to show you the cathedral that I'll be ending at. Um, oh, gosh, I'm emotional. I think I've just been praying about this for so long. Um, there's a lot. It's steeped in tradition. It's steeped in religion. We just sang that song, Breakdown Religion. You know, this is steeped in a lot of Catholicism, a lot of Catholicism. And I'm believing that God's going to bring me on this journey to bring some fresh revelation to people along the way. I'm praying that. I'm praying that. So that's where I'll go, and then I'll make my way to Finisterre, where Finisterre, where Josh and I will um, end our walk together and, and just ask God to use me to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. You know, I've had, um, and I'll use this word, I've had a hell of a week. Because I think the enemy's trying to stop me from something I really want to do. Not only did I have the accident last week, but we had an issue with the car this week, and I was caught with my baby granddaughter in the car with cars. It just doesn't even want to go there. I'm not going to give the enemy any glory. But it shook me up. I mean, like, I've been, like, nervous. I didn't drive for four days. If you've ever been in a bad accident and you have PTSD and every car is after you, you know, I'm like, baby, slow down. He said, I'm going 10 miles an hour. Good. <laughs> I mean, you know how you, you kind of have that? I have, I'm having to kind of break through some of that, to be honest with you. And there kind of been these little setbacks. This was supposed to be the week I trained the hardest. And the impact of the um, airbag hit me so hard I can hardly breathe. My lungs are bruised. And it makes me mad, but it makes me more determined. Does that make sense? I mean, I want you to know. I mean, I know I always come in here all chipper and I'm all, but like, you know, I feel, I feel too. I'm very emotional right now. And I was asking God, like, why all the attacks all of a sudden? Was it God or was it the enemy? I can't tell you I know. Because sometimes if I'm asking God to take everything out of me that doesn't look like him, he may start doing that. Um, somebody, I was just praying out front with somebody, and they said, Pastor Tammy, I think God wants to teach you in your weakness he is strong. I'm like, thanks. <laughs> thanks for that good word. Right? I don't know what God's doing in your life, but if we're going to be leaders, we have to be vulnerable leaders. And we have to show you what we're going through. So I want to take you with me to Compostello, and I'm going to end with this right now. Um, a lot of you know that last year I wrote a book called Fasting with God. I think a lot of you know we went through that book together last January, and it's our 21-day fast. If you're new to Influence Church, every year we do a 21-day fast in January that leads us up to the anniversary of our church. Well, this year I've written a second book. Um, I'm really honored that Charisma House Publishers have pub is publishing the book, and it's called Fasting for Miracles. Here's the book. Um, I'm really excited. It'll be out in January, and we're going to do that fast together. But this year, what's exciting is Charisma wants to invite the churches of America to join us on this fast. That's a pretty big thing, guys. I mean, the fact that God um, allowed me to write this book, every day of the 21 days, you're gonna learn about a new miracle in the Bible and a fast. So I'll coach you through those like I did last year with our coaching videos. But I thought, you know, I'm getting ready to take a spiritual pilgrimage. I just written a book on miracles and fasting. Why would I be surprised that I'm going through some attacks right now? And I guess the question is, back to number two, would you be disciplined enough in your life to fight the good fight? 
It's not for wimps. That's why there were three in the inner circle. There were three. Would you have been one of the three? If you were in that inner room, would God have given you a gift because he knew you were going to take Latin, Spanish, to Spain? Has he given you a task that he's waiting for you to do? If you say God hasn't asked me to do anything, then maybe you're not in the inner circle. No, I'm not trying to say this isn't like judgment here, but you have to want it. You have to desire it. You have to be disciplined enough to say, God, I want to go deeper with you. Amen. Well, I'm excited. God's doing some great things and we're going to end in prayer. And um, baby, was there anything else before I pray? Okay. Um, we're going to sing. We're going to end sing. I want you to stand with me. And I'm going to ask you right now just to ask God about your personal journey. Maybe he's going to show you somebody at work that you pass their desk every day. And Holy Spirit wanted you to share the gospel. Hey guys, maybe your journey's in your home. Maybe the conflicts with your spouse and your pride and your anger, anger and your memories and you keep playing the same story over and over of all the junk in the past and God can't get breakthrough if you keep playing the same record. God has us on a journey. There's a starting point, there's a process and there's a destination. Where are you on the journey? So I'm gonna ask all of you, uh, my Instagram's on there, my Facebook. I'd love for you to follow me. You're just real easy, Tammy Hotson Pillar, if you can spell that. It took me three years of marriage to do it. Um, but I'd love to have you follow me and it'll be fun. I'll get to see your comments and, and you know, all that fun stuff. But I'm gonna ask you to follow me and then I'm gonna be praying for you. Maybe you'll say, would you pray for me today on my journey? Would you pray for me? And we'll just have community together as I walk um, the Compostelo de Santiago. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for what you're doing. God, I thank you for this house. I thank you for this church. God, we're family. And in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, just like you fell in the upper room, Holy Spirit, we pray you'd fall in this church. We pray for fresh anointing. We pray for families. We pray for salvation. We pray for healings. We pray for anointing. We pray for opportunities. God, you are a good and gracious God. And we pray that you fall on your church in a fresh and a new way. Thank you for what you're doing in our midst today. Amen.